you ready, eager young space cadet? Meep, meep. I call a pussy supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and today we're going to be looking at some classic cartoons and some characters that have some boxing experience. Uh, With me today is Mark Hughes. He's a writer for Forbes as well as a screenwriter. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks for having me on, Jonathan. Very excited to be here. A big Looney Tunes fan. Happy to be talking about it with another big fan. You were one of the first people I reached out to as soon as I started the podcast. So I'm just happy to have you on. Thank you for the invite and uh, very, very excited to be on uh, one of the early episodes here. Awesome. Yeah, we're only five episodes in so far, so it's pretty early on. But uh, our fan base is constantly growing and I'm really thankful for that. So thank you for being on this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be uh, promoting it and telling everybody to uh, they need to sign up and, and start listening because it's very cool. Uh, fans are going to love it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So yeah, we're here to talk about some boxing. Are you a fan of boxing in general? I Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Uh, I know it's kind of... It's... A lot of people are wonder, how can you watch people hit each other until they hurt each other? And I know it's problematic. I know all that stuff, but I can't deny that I've watched boxing my whole life. I like watching boxing and uh, MMA and stuff. So yeah, I am a fan. Cool. Well, then you're the right person to have on for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, Daffy Duck, uh, in particular in To Duck or Not to Duck. This was in 1943, and Chuck Jones directed that short, and it is one of the premier Daffy episodes where we get the crazy, wacky Daffy in a situation where he's just in his element and he's able to one-up his opponent, which in this case is Elmer Fudd. And, you know, the, the, uh, the fellow duck that is the referee is kind of in on it and they both go against Elmer and obviously he's the hunter. He's the guy that you don't want to win. And Daffy just uses the rules to his advantage or rather the lack of. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, I like this. I, I like these early cartoons where of course it's the later ones are great as well, but Daffy kind of shifts later on in the Looney Tunes into more of the fall guy kind of role. And he's the Patsy very often to Bugs Bunny. Uh, whereas these early ones where he does a lot of the woohoo jumping around and bouncing upside down on his head and acting crazy and he wins the day. And it's good to see him in that kind of a role, knowing that things are going to get a lot rougher on him later (laughs) in later years. It's nice (laughs) that he had his time in the sun as the, as the victor. Yeah, and that wacky Daffy is what makes him so enjoyable to watch in this. And having him go from that unsuspecting victim to the guy that, you know, one-ups his opponent is really fun. And, uh, you know, he gets in the ring and you think that he's 
outside of his element. Like he's a wacky duck. Like he doesn't know how to box. But then he, you realize that all of the uh, the crowd and everyone that's there to watch this is on his side. And you're like, oh, okay. So he's not the underdog in this. Uh, yeah. The underdog is the tables have turned, and the underdog is now Elmer. Um, I I love the uh, the cut to his loyal dog in the audience, and he <laughs> he's the sole fan of Elmer. Ooh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Throwing cans of tomatoes at him, yeah, classic. Yeah, I, it's uh, uh, something that you mentioned about uh, the the fact that Daffy doesn't seem to you, you're not expecting him to have. Uh, to be the victor, you're not expecting him to be the one who's gonna who's gonna be victorious in this. But they set it up nicely. That's one of the great things about this particular short. How at the get go, Daffy is flying, and then he's shot out of the sky. So they've already set up that he's been wronged, and uh, we know that Elmer Fudd is he's the, the hunter. So the hunter versus the animal is an obvious, uh, dynamic where, you know, who you're going to root for, but they, they take that extra step of having him shoot Daffy out of the sky unprovoked. It's unfair. The unfairness of it is set up in Daffy kind of harassing him. So when they get in the ring and Daffy is breaking the rules and cheating, and it's so one-sided once they get to the boxing, they've kind of made an allowance for that and they you're all in on it and you don't mind that you wouldn't anyway, but they take that extra step of Daffy was already wronged and it was unfair. So what he's doing is just kind of sauce for the goose. Uh, no pun intended. And I love how they're putting this insane violence in a area where you're used to the violence, but it's still cartoonish. It's still over the top and they, uh, they really play to the strengths yeah, that's so, a great point. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Hunt, the, Hunting is a naturally violent sport, as is boxing. So uh, to use those as the framework for this outrageous over-the-top violence is an interesting way to go. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, I really love the ones that take that, – that start in one area and then move to another. But the setting only enhances the storytelling – and that's what happens here, and that's what I enjoy about this specific uh, short. Yeah, and I like the animation style a lot of this. I, I really dig the early animation of these. It got there was a a, a level of sophistication and uh, and fine tuning that happens later. But I like some of the rawness of the earlier animation and the earlier uh, you know Daffy is his fast movements and the way he kind of his head when he's talking to Elmer Fudd in those early scenes after Elmer shoots him out of the sky and Elmer's kind of like, and he's backing up and he's starting to cringe and pull away from Daffy and Daffy keeps darting his head back and forth at him and fast movements. It's really nicely done. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And it's that animation that uh, I love and I long for and it's actually what's coming back in the new cartoons that they're currently making um, because of that retro style. And uh, yeah, I love it. It's like the action, the animation of the actions is so pronounced that you really catch every movement and it makes it that much more enjoyable to watch the punches. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's, 
it, we think of the later stuff, and I even the way I framed it earlier myself, I said that it, that the animation became more sophisticated later, and but that's not really a fair way to frame it, is it? Because it was pretty sophisticated in those, you know, the retro uh, cartoon, those very earliest ones. Thank you for bringing that up, and I think that with the advances in the artistry of animation we have moved away from the action panels and the dirtiness of it because once everything got cleaned up you missed some of those artistic choices where the line drawings bled over the characters and it added for a higher impact of you know hits and those were always uh like really fun to watch and like you really connect with the violence that's happening, but it's cartoonish violence and you don't, you know, think of it as the same way as like live action violence. It's, it's exaggerated and it's, uh, just overall enjoyable. And then you have Daffy like cuckooing the entire time and you know, you're, you're just in it for the fun. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's a, the a playfulness to the animation style, which is not to say that later stuff didn't also have it, but there's, it's different. It's a, there's a very different uh, aesthetic to the way the violence is portrayed and the, the silliness of it, uh, I think, in those earlier ones. Totally. Uh, one of my favorite lines from this one, and it was what I thought of whenever I realized we were going to be doing a boxing-centered uh, episode, was when the referee is introducing Daffy and he calls him Daffy good to his mother duck. (laughs) (laughs) Your friend and mine, our own, our beloved Daffy good to his mother. Yeah. Even his corner, you know, he's got the, he has a lounger and stuff set up in his corner. So it's all, and Elmer Fudd is such a good, uh, the whole through the whole thing it's kind of there's a bit of a reversal where at the start he's not a very good sport because he's got his dog and he shoots Daffy out of the sky when Daffy's not looking but then once they're in the ring he's all like you know he he's very respectful of the rules and he wants to shake Daffy's hand after the the match and everything else and he eventually snaps there at the end but He's Elmer going along with it and trying to be a good sport, even though he was completely not a good sport is what the setup is of it. And that the whole nature of hunting is that you're not a very good sport. You know? Exactly. So do you think the end of this short makes people uh, or do, do you think it leaves people with a satisfying conclusion or do you think that it evokes a conversation of, so who actually won because Elmer turns the tables on them and he starts going over all the rules and says, so none of this and none of that and just using the same techniques against them. Uh, and then it, I believe it fades to black. Um, so yeah. who, who, who would win in a fight, uh, Daffy or Elmer? If it was a well, it's hard to say what a fair fight constitutes because for Daffy, his strengths are all the silliness, and Elmer Fudd doesn't normally have the ability to kind of defy gravity and defy logic in the things and just pull stuff out of nowhere the way that Daffy Duck does. So you would think that the the physics of Looney Tunes would favor Daffy and his lunacy, but uh, at the same time, Elmer's obviously bigger and he's a hunter, so uh, I think 
if I had to bet on him at that time in that frame of reference, I would definitely, I think I'd have to bet on uh, Daffy. I think Elmer kind of catches them off guard at the end. And it's a bit of the comeuppance that everybody gets their comeuppance because Elmer may have deserved his comeuppance, but Daffy generally is cheating and, uh, he probably would do that against any opponent because that's Daffy's nature anyway. So, uh, I think that that's, I, I find it satisfying in that regard in that everybody kind of gets a comeuppance in it and they all kind of deserve a bit of a comeuppance in it for, <laughs> for their various deeds. <laughs> they do. They do. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that. They, they definitely, uh, get their comeuppance. Uh, I think if I had to put money on it, I'd also go with Daffy Duck. I think he would win in that uh, scenario. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving on. We're going to be talking about Bunny Hugged. This was a Chuck Jones uh, short from 1951, and it stars Bugs Bunny and The Crusher. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot wait for them to introduce The Crusher. They have not done that yet. But I feel like he's going to be just around the corner because they're introducing prizefighter Daffy and contender Sylvester to the game. But uh, Bugs is no lightweight himself. He's going to get in the ring against Crusher and, you know, uh, go to town on this giant muscle-bound boxer. What do you think about this one? Uh, I, this is this has one of my favorite sequences, actually, of some of the Bugs Bunny cartoon, which I could say that about like fifty <laughs> different cartoons. But the sequence when and when uh, Crusher is kind of dazed and he puts the hat on him and the jacket, and Crusher's like, oh, cool. "Why, Crusher? It's good to see you." Yeah, well, I was just passing by. Just passing by. Just passing by. As a kid, it just cracked me up. And me and my brother would do it. It's one of the things that we would uh, mimic and that we would act out as kids with our siblings or when our parents were telling us to do something or whatever. So uh, it was. Oh, that's awesome. uh, yeah, I really uh, I like it a lot. And I liked it that it's Bugs Bunny and this one is particularly, uh, uh, he's sticking up for his, uh, his friend, you know, um, what is his name? Uh, Ravishing Ronald. Ravishing there Ronald. There it is. Right? Ravishing Ronald. <laughs> Ravishing Ronald. <laughs> I love that. And then Bugs Bunny is like, oh, you know, I'm going to lose my, my easy lifestyle. So he jumps in, he jumps up and, you know, it's, uh, he's fighting for the honor of his, uh, his benefactor, but also for his own protection, obviously. So uh, yes. we see that Crusher is is a bully and is kind of, he's not just fighting his opponent, he's kind of mocking him and making fun of him a bit. So Bugs Bunny has a bit of that, you know, he, Bugs Bunny always had, uh, was portrayed a bit with, he could have some effeminate flair to him and, and uh him coming in, stepping into the ring in that scenario, and then getting the best of Crusher is, uh, once again, I'm going to use the word comeuppance. He gets, Bugs <laughs> is great at giving people their comeuppance. So. He is, and uh, with this being Chuck Jones, it's definitely you get the hero Bugs Bunny again, uh, coming to the rescue of someone who is getting a beat down severely. And again, with cartoon violence uh, and use, and Ronald using the signs, help, SOS, foul. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I, I really love this episode or this short. And, um, I think that this is such a great pairing. You have a muscle bound meathead going up against the witty and the self-reliant, uh, bugs. Um, I love whenever bugs is put up against a Goliath and it's that David and Goliath kind of thing. Uh, but with someone who's very cunning and, uh, you know, self-preservation uh, centered. So, yeah, yeah it's 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 a, a tale as old as time, but it works. <laughs> this is one of the most overt examples of that, too, where it's the very literal juxtaposing of Bugs Bunny as he's weak and that even the, you know, it ends with the, with the thing where his little muscle turns upside down and he kind of plays with it. And it's a, it's a joke that it's like, yeah, he's weak. He's kind of, he can be kind of lazy. Uh, he's not a tough guy. He's not a macho man, but it subverts all of those notions of, you know, the alpha male is the big strong guy who's aggressive and Bugs Bunny is the beta male. But then Bugs always comes out on top and it's like he's not trying to it. He doesn't care about impressing anybody and he doesn't care what you think of him. And he's always going to get the better of you because he's self-assured and completely happy and comfortable with who he is. And this is that's probably never as in any of the other cartoons uh, I don't think it's ever as overt as it is in this one. Correct. And, you know, it's that use of strategy that puts him over the top and always has him succeeding and, you know, coming out the winner. And that strategy has always serviced his, uh, you know, as the hero countless times. Uh, I don't think it's ever not, you know, got him ahead of a situation. Um, but... It's whenever the characters come at him from angles that he's not prepared for, like that's what uh, does him in. So uh, Bugs doesn't always win, but when he does, he's in a ring and he knows what's going to happen. So he can always come at it from a new angle. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of Spider. I think of him a lot as kind of like Peter Parker, Spider-Man and the notion that, uh, you know, he's doing the right, he's doing what he thinks is right, and he's going up against overwhelming odds, and uh, uh, when the odds are again, and he might get his, gets his butt handed to him about right around the midpoint of the episode when he first tries to fight Crusher, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's wrestling him and he's trying and there's... Uh, Crusher's kind of like yawning and Bugs doesn't have the strength and then Crusher knocks Bugs around and he's getting, he's all dizzy and all. And I always felt like if Bugs Bunny was a superhero, if I imagine him in a superhero costume, it's Spider-Man. Absolutely. Well, he has dressed up as Superman before, but I think that was because Spider-Man didn't exist yet. Um, (laughs) Had Spider-Man existed back in the 40s, uh, Bugs definitely would have been a fan and uh, donned that costume. So I completely agree with your Peter Parker analogy. I also think... Uh, and I, I got to bring it back because earlier on we talked about the Chuck Jones uh, car- shorts and how they always introduce Bugs as someone who is minding their own business and they have to be provoked to start, you know, bringing on the violence and, you know, taking the upper hand. Uh, this is definitely what way you just described is definitely the... Um, <laughs> the reason why he is justified in his 
uh, in his wrestling ways. And, uh, you know, he also dons a mask during this. Um, what do they call him? Uh, I forgot the name. Is it uh, the terror? Yeah. So he's uh, declared a new <laughs> champion as the terror. Um, <laughs> uh, something that could be, uh, you know, a superhero onto itself. Maybe Bugs is out there terrorizing as the terror. We'll yeah. never know. Oh, that's, you know what? And he's with his silly, his silly little quick, ma- you know, homemade mask that he has and he's in the ring and it's, uh, I, I meant the the it just remi- that's a whole other reason it reminds me of Spider-Man too actually in this particular episode there's the the similarity to Spider-Man in his early uh wrestling attempt at the great big guy yeah he's uh you know very witful outwitting his opponents yeah i i think there's a there's a lot of great the the art in this is really good too and when bugs is struggling and he's got the and there's a whole lot of the over exaggerated expressions on his face which is not something that you know there's there's plenty of bugs uh, cartoons of bugs bunny where he doesn't necessarily get quite as expressive in his face the way that they do in this one it's there's some really good uh surprise expressions and pained expressions and loopy expressions from him here. Yeah. Uh, the team behind Chuck Jones, I, I think every, uh, animator had different or every director had different, uh, animation, uh, teams behind them. And Chuck Jones always had really nice line drawings and expressions, uh, to his characters. And they always stood out as, um, something that was, artful if you took a screenshot of you know any segment of this short the composition is amazing the character designs the uh the expressions they're all spot on they're all something that you would want framed and i love that about him uh i think phil monroe is the lead animator uh behind chuck jones i could be wrong but i i think it's either him or ken harris and they both did that with Bugs. They always made Bugs stand out as uh, something that is uh, worthy of art. How long did it take him? Do you know offhand? I have no idea how long it took him to make an average episode like this. These you know five to seven minute uh, segments. I actually don't know. If I had to guess, I would say three months. Uh, the reason being they were always rushing and I, 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 like watching it, you're like, oh, this like had to take time and care. But they were actually rushing every short and trying to get it on deadline and, you know, out. And whenever there was a bad one, that producer was like, all right, this is a bad one. We're going to air it, but never do it again. Um, and then they move on the other thing i want to mention right actually right before we do that uh so bunny hugged is a reworking 
of Rabbit Punch. And Rabbit Punch was made uh, about three years earlier. And it had uh, Bugs in a boxing match against the battling Megook, uh, which he looked very similar to the Crusher, uh, but wasn't called that. Um, and the, uh, the challenger was the Dyspectic McBlaster. Uh, Chuck Jones directed both. Um, it was, uh, very minor changes that they, that they made to these shorts. Uh, but Chuck Jones felt like they didn't realize the potential that this one had and they redid it, uh, as Bunny Hugged and Bunny Hugged is clearly the one that went on to have that, uh, memorable and lasting impression on children and people of all ages. Yes. <laughs> it's a great cartoon, so it deserves its reputation. It does. I agree. So today we are talking about boxing cartoons because there are new characters to the World of Mayhem, the iOS mobile app game, which you can download on your phone today and jump right in. You can start playing um, I believe they give you a f uh, some starter characters, but uh, recently they started adding some boxing characters as far as a new event goes, which is called the Fight of the Century. And that is where we are, and we are jumping into Hippity Hopper now. This is not only the name of the sh next short we're going to be discussing, but also the name of a young kangaroo who boxes Sylvester Silly and embarrasses him in front of Sylvester <laughs> Jr. every chance he gets. Why, you little... Okay, mouse. I don't care how big you are. Come out fighting. Stop hopping around and put up your dukes. That's it. Now watch the birdie. Um, Hippity Hopper is already in the game, and he was revealed, I uh, believe, a month ago in Tasmania, along with Taz and a few other characters. Uh, so this is really fun to have a character that's going to go directly up against Hippity Hopper in the contender Sylvester. Uh, Hippity Hopper oh. is a film, a short film that was a Robert McKimson production. Uh, this is from 1949 and starred Mel Blanc as Sylvester. And um, yeah, what did you uh, what did you think of this short? I like uh, it's a fun one. I mean, it's it's Looney Tunes. I love Looney Tunes and I love them all. Uh, this is um, Sylvester and Tweety. Uh, I. I always prefer Sylvester with Tweety when it comes to Sylvester's uh, uh, cartoons, but of the of the ones with him, Sans Tweety Bird, uh, this is definitely uh, one of the better ones. And the that the animation style in this uh, is a little less going back to what we talked about before, as far as the sophistication to the animation. I could always tell the the dip, what period of of Looney Tune animation I'm looking at by Sylvester when you look at him there's very clear 
uh, defining characteristics of older Sylvester and how he moves his mouth and how much he kind of smacks when he's talking. And uh, I like this iteration of Sylvester better than some of the later ones, even if there's some of the later cartoon stories that I prefer to this one. I like his depiction here. Yeah, I also enjoy the classic Sylvester and Tweety uh, formula and, you know, throw Granny in there and it's always a good time. But here it's uh, putting Sylvester a little bit out of his element. And I enjoy that as well. The obviously the bulldog is also on the mouse's side (laughs) and uh, put Sylvester right back in it anytime he tries to get out of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, this one kind of starts dark. So a mouse attempts suicide. Uh, yeah. How, how often do we see that happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it was a very interesting way to kick off the, the episode. You really don't know what to think or what's coming. And the, that opening sequence is so weird. Yeah. Uh, and then the reveal with the, the kangaroo, it's like, where the heck is this going? <laughs> And uh, you become endeared by the kangaroo at that point. Um, so you're on both sides of it. You're you're caring about the life of this mouse who's had a rough life, uh, clearly. And you're invested in this kangaroo who sees a downtrodden, you know, animal uh, attempting to do that. And... Sylvester is the antagonizer, but I, yeah, actually like you like to see Sylvester taking the wallop. Like I, yeah. I, I don't really think that uh, anyone is rooting for Sylvester here. No, no, I don't yeah. think so at all. I think you kind of, it's a weird, it's a, this is actually an interesting dynamic because you feel sad uh, or you feel like, you're not you're rooting against Sylvester with the mouse, but then with the dog, you kind of feel sorry for him because he's like when he's got the glasses. Uh, there's a, a point when the do- the bulldog gives him glasses, and Sylvester can't see what he's doing, and he's trying to walk up the step, and it's so funny. And Sylvester is so kind of takes it at face value, and uh, there's a bit of naivety to him, so you can feel sorry for Sylvester. And root a little bit for him against the bulldog, but then when it's he's against the mouse, your your loyalties kind of switch. So it goes back and forth, and that's kind of a nice thing. And when the bulldog goes in and tries to confront the mouse, and then the kangaroo whoops the bulldog's butt too, and the bulldog's like, forget it, and they just both leave at the end. They both uh, take up ballet. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's it's a really nice way to to bring everything to a conclusion. Uh, with that back and forth kind of switch, the 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 changing loyalties and shifting loyalties throughout the the, the episode. Absolutely, and as I mentioned earlier, uh, every director brings on their own animation team. Uh, this one was led by John Kerry, and as you mentioned earlier, like you can tell what age or what era of animation you're in based on the character designs or based on the layouts. And this is obviously more classic than the earlier ones. Um, this is, well, uh, this is after to duck or not to duck, but, um, it's earlier than bunny hugged and the, um, just the, the level of skill that goes into 
making a character endearing is just fascinating on its own right. But the I, I just want to talk a bit about having a kangaroo be someone that saves a mouse and you know like they noticed how much a mouse and a kangaroo look similar and then just went to town on that and i i love that dynamic um and then obviously against sylvester being the cat in the situation they could have pulled any cat from the looney tunes lore but they chose sylvester because they already had established that character with an audience and they knew that if you put Sylvester in that situation, that the play from the bulldog will work better and you will change your loyalties, uh, given the situation. So I love how they play up that. Yeah, it's really good. Sylvester being, (coughs) excuse me, Sylvester being started being the heavy, but then kind of, uh, facing, odds against him that are that are really stacked against him kind of thing unwittingly uh is is a recurring theme and not just in this but throughout sylvester's entire <laughs> looney tune career for sure and in uh the one where tweety bird is turns into miss Pied is a good example where it just constantly you're back and forth between sylvester is trying to kill the birds and he's going after the birds and then suddenly he's like ah you're you keep feeling, you can't help but feel sorry for him at times, and he's one of the he's one of those characters that him and Daffy Duck both they can often uh, often be the heavy in a in a situation or the unsympathetic character, but then they win your sympathies over just by the sheer force of the odds and absurdity against them. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you brought the the Doctor Jekyll Mister Hyde up on the podcast because I'm going to be talking about that episode uh, around Halloween. And oh, interesting. I I think that dynamic wouldn't happen if this didn't work, and this working shows them that oh, this is actually something we should continue doing. So I love that you're talking about that balance <laughs> of the um, the heavy versus the uh, you know the antagonist that you uh, you unsuspectingly don't know is going to be the new heavy yeah it's fun i love anytime storytelling can can play against our expectations and pull the rug out from under us and 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 challenge our loyalties and our assumptions like that i'm a big fan of it and i love by the way the uh hide and go seek is the right the that's the one uh, yeah, yeah. I, th- uh, I, yeah the... I love that episode. Tweety Bird turns into Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, uh, yes. Turns into Mr. Hyde. Yes. That is one of my favorite, it's one of my all-time favorite. When when there's a scene when Sylvester first sees him and he's looking for it, and then the Tweety, the creepy Tweety Bird's behind him, which that creepy Tweety Bird was always stuck in my mind as a kid. <laughs> and then Sylvester turns around and he's, his eyes are just huge. And he just falls into pieces. <laughs> it's such a great moment. It's like, yep, every kid can relate to that moment. <laughs> that creepy Tweety is something of nightmares for sure. And it's it offers a great segue. So back in 2012, uh, Mondo, the poster company, did a series of Looney Tune posters. And that was included uh, which had Sylvester cowering in the in the lower middle of it and the giant Tweety behind him. It's a very striking image and one that I love. 
Um, but Mondo is back at it again because they have released a Duck Twacy uh, poster and it's on their site right now for $45. I have a link in the description below if you want to check that out. The art is gorgeous. You can see Neon Noodle. You can see Batman. You can see a number of characters that showed up in that short through the blinds as the noir-esque uh, detective is looking into the distance as what will be his next clue at solving the mystery. Uh, so that's just a really fun uh, piece of art that you can own. I don't remember the uh, the number uh, of how many there are, but it's not very many. So if you want to get that, you might want to get that today. Yeah, it's a beautiful poster. And it, I, looking at it, it immediately reminds me in some just a general sense of the poster from uh, Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Oh. <laughs> which is a really, I, I love Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. It's one of the best Steve Martin movies ever. And it's just so, if, you, if you've if you never seen it, then it, anyone listening to this is obviously going to be a fan of Looney Tunes. And the absurdity of that movie will definitely appeal to you. It's uh, it's terrific. And there's Steve Martin's character kind of reminds me of Daffy Duck in some weird sort of ways in that movie. So it's uh, I highly recommend it. And that poster is beautiful. Uh, really, really love it. Oh, thank you, Mark. Thank you for that recommendation. I'm sure our listeners would love to uh, to find out more about Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. <laughs> well, thank you for that recommendation. I'm sure our listeners yeah. will love to uh, track that down. Um, let me open up the What's Up Doc and uh, read a bit from it. So we have new information as we have new characters coming to the World of Mayhem, the mobile app game you can download on iOS or on Google Play. Uh, our first contestant or contender uh, in this new uh, arena setting of Looney Tunes characters is Contender Sylvester. Uh, he will be a rare character and a defender. His region will be in the town, and the Toon Building will be the police station. His relationship with Hippity Hopper allows for a 15% more attack against their enemies, uh, and a rivalry skill with Prize Fighter Daffy, who's the next character that's going to be introduced and we're going to talk about. Uh, he will have a 15% more attack on their opponents uh, when they are in play as rivals. Uh, his skill set includes Wild Swing, Southpaw Slammer, Big Entrance, Patch Up, and Armored. Uh, do you have any comments to uh, say about the Contender Sylvester, uh, Mark? Well, uh, they, I know the look of them, uh, just what these characters look like is really cool. And, uh, I like the, I like the design work of it. Um, I'll admit I have not had a chance to play the game yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I will send you just, a link, which will allow you to join the Alliance. I just created Uh newly created Alliance called this means allies, uh, that's in the game, and you can join and uh, help us gain trophies and earn all kinds of gems and coins, and it's just a lot of fun. So uh, I'll send a link to you over there. Yeah, so uh, Contender Sylvester and uh, the next character that I'm going to be talking about will be in the game next, or actually this week. 
Um, so you might already have them. Prizefighter Daffy is the next character I'm going to be talking about. He is an epic uh, character as far as rarity goes. He has a role of defender, and he will also be at the police station in the town arena. Uh, his relationship skill is with any athlete tune, and he has plus 10% attack, defense, and speed, while any athlete tune is on the battlefield as an ally. Uh, he has a rivalry skill as well. Uh, at the start of the match, if any athlete tune is on the battlefield as an opponent, this tune gains 15% more attack. So that's a pretty valuable tune to have on your team. His skill set includes jab, square up, dukes up, down for the count, and buckle up. So uh, Daffy, good to your mother duck is here to join the ring and to deal out as much damage as possible. Uh, what did you think of his character design? Oh, I love it. Uh, his is my favorite of these uh, that I've seen, actually. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really like the, the Daffy look to him. I've always... Uh, all of the characters in Looney Tunes have had their, chant, their times of uh, when they've taken on other characters and Daffy did the Scarlet Pumpernickel, for example, and Duck Dodgers. And this kind of reminds me of that with his hood up like that and the posturing and everything. It's a, uh, it's a good look for Daffy. So, uh, I think he's, he's looking stylish there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I'm glad you brought up those alter egos. He has so many great alter egos and right now you can get those two that you named in the game already. Uh, Pumpernickel, Ooh, really? Scarlet Pumpernickel is in the game as well as Duck Dodgers. And my favorite is Robin Hood Daffy. Uh, yes. He's in the game as well. Yes, I love Robin Hood Daffy and the swinging from the limb tree to tree. Bam! Bam! bam. And away! <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, all right, yeah, so at great. this point in the podcast, <laughs> we're going to throw it over to our sponsors at Acme. Acme. It's where you get your anvils. in the ring now and we have a contender going up against our heavyweight they're using our acne boxing gloves and they're here to deal some damage can't wait to see how these affect their opponent and as long as nothing goes wrong we should be in for a great fight you're a little bit heavy but feels like there's an anvil in here Yes, we might have preloaded your, your gloves with anvils. That way they can pack the biggest punch you've ever punched. Oh, winding up for the hit! A swing and a miss. He knocks himself out cold. Ooh, that must have hurt. And you can buy your Acme boxing gloves today. May or may not contain anvils. You never know where we're going to put an anvil. So I have a new Patreon and I'd like to throw you over there. It's patreon.com backslash this means podcast. I have different tiers with different rewards. You can check all of them out over there, including a, your own RSS feed, which will download right into your pod streaming service. And you can uh, pick up any of those 
new episodes that we drop uh, once a week. Um, you can also find a Q&A over there, and I'll be doing uh, just a separate podcast uh, once a week where I answer any of your questions. Uh, you could also have input on the show and choose which short you would like us to do and which characters you'd like us to highlight. Or uh, we could do a commentary together and we could watch a short and record our own commentary for people to listen along with you. Uh, so that's over there on our Patreon. Uh, Mark Hughes, what do you have going on? Uh, well, people can always find me uh, and my movie reviews uh, over at Forbes. Uh, just go to Forbes.com backslash sites. That's S-I-T-E-S backslash Mark Hughes. And uh, you can keep up with my movie reviews and any uh, new information I have to pass on. I just uh, I've got a my most recent article has some little bit of stuff about some casting for the the Batman movie. And you can find me on Twitter if you want to see me posting my vacation photos and uh, my my opinions about life and and films and writing over on Twitter at Mark Hughes Films. And uh, pretty soon you'll be able to watch some of my TV shows on various uh, channels and streaming services. Uh, so I'll, I look forward to being able to talk more about that sometime in the future. And me you too. can hear me on this episode of uh, the the Looney Tunes podcast. Uh, not uh, not very often that I get to talk to, about uh, Looney Tunes characters and storytelling in a substantive way. So yeah, exactly. But I love it, and I highly encourage everyone to to sign up and uh, become a Patreon supporter of the podcast. Uh, Jonathan's great, and the podcast is great. Looney Tunes are great. What more do you want? Thank you, Mark. And I cannot wait to see more of your work online. I cannot wait to read your articles and hear you talk about life on Twitter. That's uh, <laughs> one of my favorite things. Uh, but I am super excited for you and all those shows you've got going on. And I cannot wait to see their finished form on uh, on my television. So congrats to you on all of that. And uh, thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you all for listening. And also... Uh, if you want to follow me, I, you can do so through our podcast pages on Facebook and Twitter at This Means Podcast. On Twitter, it's This Means Pod. On Instagram at This Means Podcast. And you can follow our Podbean website. Uh, I post updates there along with pictures and anything going on with the podcast. Um, I'm just excited to be talking about Looney Tunes. I love these fr characters. I love this franchise. And I hope that we can all continue the conversation. So with that being said, that is not all, folks. See you guys later. I'm not the one to complain, Mr. Weffley, but I thought you said no woof stuff. None of this, or this, or this, or like so, or this, or this, or this. You know my favorite part of a boxing joke? The punchline. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's terrible. I didn't know what else to say. <laughs> no, no, no. That was good. That was good. Um, cool. You know uh, how to make fruit punch? Give it boxing lessons. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, terrible. I'm sorry. No, I love the puns. <laughs> the puns hit harder than the boxing. <laughs> <laughs>
It took a second. I had to kind of, yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. I usually like uh, either do a voice or put a filter over my voice uh, so it doesn't sound like myself. Um, I'll play around with it. Okay. Uh, but thank you for that. Okay, I could have said uh, it's if it wasn't a if it wasn't a G-rated show, I'd have said. You know why they tell boxers not to have sex before a fight? Because they don't really fancy each other. 